Bowl. Hello, welcome to the movie Riches. We're back and in action. That was my British accent. Yeah, that uh, don't quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess I could say the same for myself, huh? Yeah. Well, but um, you do better accents than me, so it's cool. <laughs> well, we're coming back at you here. Last week we left off uh, with, with Rich saying uh, that the Leopard Man. Number 30, 1943, was something he had a lot to say about. And this is one I haven't seen, which is becoming kind of a thing on this list. I mean, we're trying to catch up. And before I go on any further, I will say this. We're, the stuff that we're putting on the back burners, like the movies that we haven't seen or we can't uh, track down just yet, once we get through this list and we hit the number one, we're going to come back and hit those movies because by that point we should have seen them or just figured out that we just cannot get a copy. And at that point, we'll probably just put something in its place that we feel should be on this list. And I know that's kind of kind of crappy, but I don't know what else to do here with some of these titles. But um, that, that's that's kind of what we were thinking about doing. Yeah. And it's not that many. You yeah, know, we're making... You know, for those of you count at home, I think we're only up to three right now. Yeah, and there's going to be one more. And funny enough, it's a little bit down on the list, but we will be hitting it tonight, or we should have. And that's Twin Peaks uh, Firewalk With Me, which is kind of sad because I actually just uh, received a copy of it, and I just didn't have the chance to watch it. You literally picked it up off your desk before we started recording. Yeah, I like, literally I picked it up it. off my desk and was like, oh, man, I just acquired this movie. Um, obviously, I've seen... You know, a lot of the series and stuff like that. Not not all the way through, but I know what it is. And uh, I've seen some episodes of the series, and I actually have the movie in my possession. So Great we, series, by the way. Love yes. The so we that will be on our back-end list as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll just hit stuff that we had to pass up at the end of this list, and we'll just kind of go back over them. But, anyway, getting back to Leopard Man... Uh, Rich actually saw this and the number 28 spot, Cat People, um, both of which I have not seen. And he would like to actually combine the two. So we're going to knock two out in one um, movie, Riches. And then we'll get to the number 29 spot. But uh, he felt like he wanted to combine these two movies, so we'll let him run with it. So this is number 30, The Leopard Man, and number 28, Cat People. All right, so... You know, we actually know more about movies than we have been, you know, basically putting out there because of time constraints and things. Also, just, you know, trying to figure out our formula. But I'm going to go into a little reason I combine these two movies, and then there's also going to touch on other movies on this list. But basically, they're essentially the same movie, along with another movie that we're going to be talking about in about 15 movies. There was a studio called RKO Pictures, and in the 40s, there was a really prominent producer named Val Lawton. And Val Lawton produced a bunch of horror movies really quickly. He was also a writer, but he got famous for the horror movies he produced. And a lot of them are directed by a guy named Jacques Torrer, which... We're going to go by Jack Turner, because that's what he went by in Hollywood. It's just easier to say. I don't want to keep saying his French name, because it's hard. And so basically, Jack Turner and Val Lawton made a lot of movies. They're all basically the same movie in tone and in structure. And two of those movies are Cat People 
and Leopard Man. They also made I Walk With a Zombie, which is going to be later on this list. And Val Laden also produced Seventh Victim, which was who you guys were paying attention in the 40s, just with a different director. So whoever made this list is obsessed with Val Laden. So that's the reason I kind of want to combine these movies. They're all... All these movies that we're going to be talking about are kind of the same. You're getting a pretty good movie to a great movie, depending on which one. They each have their minor quibbles. Personally, I think Leopard Man's the best out of all the movies. It has the best acting, the best plot, the best pacing. Um, but basically, yeah, they're essentially the same movie. If you don't like one, you're not going to like the others. Now, they uh, all these movies... Um, there's something they have in common, which I kind of want to also touch on, which is they were all trashed by critics when they came out. So for you people out there that live or die by the critic, remember that most of the movies on this list, including all four of these movies, were trashed when they originally came out, and then people realized they were masterpieces. And so don't always go by the critic ratings. Go actually see the movie. You know, Don't just read uh, whatever your favorite site is and then go see if you're going to see it. Go see the movie. See it for yourself. But all these movies were kind of trashed by critics. And because what made them horror movies at the time was so shocking. That's another reason I want to combine them. They're not shocking anymore. Like, Leopard Man really wouldn't be considered a horror movie anymore. It's like a really tame episode of Law and & Order. And <laughs> Black, uh, Cat People, which has a remake in 1982, uh, is probably the one most audiences are going to watch. It's a good remake. It's got Malcolm McDowell chewing the scenery like he normally does. It's really well directed. It's got Natasha Hensky getting naked all over the place, seducing everybody. There's nudity. There's violence. And what the story of Cat People is, is about a woman who, when she gets aroused, turns into a panther. You know, that's kind of what people are going to be looking for with modern audiences, you know. But if these movies for the 40s were horror films, you know, so while I'm going to treat them as horror films, they were designed to be horror films. Leopard Man is the better of these two movies. Um, it's much better acted. It has a much, much better dialogue. I personally think it has a more interesting script. Uh, it's a movie about a serial killer before the concept of a serial killer even was thought of. You know, we, uh, I don't know a whole lot about serial killers, but I have friends who do love serial killers, and from what I am aware, the serial killer boom of the 70s to the 90s, we use a lot of serial killers. Now it's in the pop culture. Back in the 40s, they had no, you know, this movie was incredibly shocking. It's about a leopard that gets out. Uh, I do uh, want to touch on one part of the thing about Slate Magazine's review. The movie does not take place in Mexico. Just because it has Mexicans in it, people who speak Spanish and look Indian do not necessarily Mexicans. The movie takes place in New Mexico. So whoever wrote this for Slate Magazine, it takes place in New Mexico. The signs are in New Mexico. They're spending American money. Why do we assume just because some people are speaking Spanish and look Hispanic that they are Mexicans. There is Hispanic people in America. The movie takes place in New Mexico. That really annoyed me when I was reading the little synopsis. <laughs> it very clearly takes place in New Mexico. Anyway, it's, the idea is it's a little New Mexico town. This is her stunt for a fading movie star. Her husband's trying to keep her on top. Uh, it's insinuated he's a hard-ass con man from a shady neighborhood. And uh, shit goes awry. The leopard murders somebody. And then other women keep dying. And seeing as he's the one guy in town who's seen some shit, he realizes, wait a minute, the other murders don't look like the leopard, even though they, it looks like it's done by a leopard, and he keeps investigating and investigating. And that, this might be the first movie about a serial killer. You know, I don't, wanna, I, I don't really feel like this is giving away the plot, because it's supposed to be 
and none of the materials would you know what's about a serial killer. But anyone who's even seen an episode of Law and Order or 36 is like, oh, this is about a serial killer. You know, after the first conversation. But it's really, it's really well done. The dialogue's fantastic. The writing is super tight. It references... Uh, I mean, if you're really paying attention, it, 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 like, ties into itself. It foreshadows. There's little things that are said throughout the movie that get resolved in final scenes. Like, this is a really well-done movie. Uh, Black Cat, which is higher on the list, I, I'm assuming, because people are more obsessed with sex now than they were before, um, is not as good a movie. The acting is not that great. The dialogue is just okay. Very cool concept. The, ca- the concept of cat people is the a woman is a ancestor of Serbian cat people, and when she has fallen in love, and her husband is stepping out on her, uh, with quite possibly the most annoying human being ever, because she's <laughs> trying the technique that men use with women, which is being their friend and then slowly isolating them from their partner, and the other partner's too stupid to realize it. Uh, that's a man thing, and I guess the idea of a woman doing it all of a sudden, it's like it's, she's super generous. In fact, the way the movie's paced at the very end, it's like presented like she's the good guy. She's not. She's a home-wrecking bitch. I don't know where we <laughs> cited that in the movie. But basically, the, the chick loses her mind and starts stalking her as a cat. No one believes her. This, but the, the, the writing in that movie's not as good. There's some twists that are just twists that are there. There's no foreshadowing writing. Uh, it's not as well acted. In fact, some of it's hackneyed. I mean, it's a good movie. Uh, but basically, the reason I want to combine these all is that Seventh Victim, Cat People, Leopard Man, and I Walk With a Zombie. If you like one, you're going to like all of them. If you don't like one, you're probably not going to like any of them. They're all made by the same team within like a three-year span. And on top of that, they're all dated concepts that were really horrifying for audiences back then that now are very, very, very tame. But they're well-done movies, but usually there's remakes or things you'd like more. As far as ratings, I'd give Leopard Man five riches. I'd give Cat People four riches. The acting is not great, and the dialogue's not as good. I mean, is it still worth people's time to go and see though or your oh yeah um, of, yeah no i think so i think i think both movies are, are uh, hold up incredibly well i yeah. think that uh i think more people will probably enjoy cat people which are probably why it's higher on the list than leopard man simply because people like sex mm-hmm. and the idea of a woman turning into a panther and stock people is a little more i don't know interesting than a you know whodunit serial killer movie if you're not the very first one but this is the very first one I would I would hazard a guess that this is the first film about a serial killer ever made would I be right I don't know but I'm going to be damn close to being right and uh, I guarantee it's the first mainstream movie about a serial killer I mean the concept like I said the idea of the name serial killer is not even in the lexicon we haven't even invented it yet and so the movie does a lot of time explaining what what the motivation it, it's really it, the way it's filmed is very it's fantastic I mean these movies are very, they're worth watching. They're good movies. You're going to really enjoy them uh, if you like classic movies. I mean, if you have the attention span for a slower drama movie. And, you know, be honest with yourself. If you are not that type, don't watch uh, But, no, they're all basically the same movie. You know, which is, and I also don't know why all of these are on the list. Personally, cat people shouldn't be on the list. The director... You know, Jack Turner, like I said, Jacques, you know, for those that want to pronounce his French name, go look it up, but I don't want to keep doing it. Uh, his movie, he made a movie in the 50s with Columbia Pictures called Night of the Demon, 
that should be on the list instead of Cat People. Mm-hmm. That is still probably a terrifying movie for a lot of people. The special effects probably would hold up really well. I haven't seen it in like 10 years, but when I saw it 10 years ago, it looked great. Uh, it's terrifying. I would put Night of the Demon over Cat People. Leopard Man, if I was going to put it on this list, would be in 80s or below. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're great movies. They're great movies. And particularly Leopard Man. Leopard Man has some fantastic dialogue. Fantastic characters. Highlight of the movie is there is a uh, half Indian, half uh, Mexican uh, lady who feels out of place in the Mexico society and she's trying to be a gold digger. And there is a little old man who convinces her to go with the love of her life. And, and there's a really interesting scene where they're talking in a, in a diner to the point where she really wishes she's his father. And they got the character actor that plays it, plays it perfectly. I mean, he literally captures everything in that conversation in like five lines. Great, great scenes like that throughout the movie. It's, it's much better than Cat People. So just throwing it out okay, there. Leopard okay. Man's better. Leopard <clears throat> Man I might see on the list. Cat People I wouldn't. I mean, honestly, the remake might be better to be on the list. Uh, than the original. Yeah, yeah. Only because, I mean, it's dated. I mean, we're talking, it's almost been 100 years. And, I mean, it's still a great movie. But the horror element's just not going to be there for either of them. No one's going to get scared by these movies. No one's going to get... Well, there's a lot of movies. There's a few movies on this list that won't, you know, invoke fear in somebody. It's just... Yeah, but, I mean, there's that... But I guess what another thing I, I guess I'm saying it wrong. Like the way they were filmed was subtle for then. Uh-huh. Like it was subtle so for the really, '40s. So really. now it's so subtle it almost just feels like a drama with a supernatural element. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've hit a couple of those actually. Well, not with you know dramas. Whereas like there's a movie coming up. The way it's filmed, I think, can still scare people, especially if you're in the right mood. Uh, these ones are I don't know. But I wanted to combine them because yeah, they literally whoever is out there at Slate Magazine and you love. Val Lawton and Jack Turner together because you got three of their movies on this list and then movies that they did with other people on this list. You got a lot of their movies. Oh, yeah. So, and uh, I mean, they're all good, but it's interesting that one production team who made B movies has got five movies on the list so far. Yeah, that is kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I think someone's a fanboy at Slate. Yeah, Man. probably. So. But, all right, so five for Leopard Man, four for Cat People. And Cat Anna noted that cat people should not be on the system. I'll have to take your word for this. I mean, it's a great movie. I, and anyone who's out there is a big fan of the movie, you know, go ahead and argue me. I would be great. But it's, it's top 100 horror movies anymore? No. No. I, it, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Like, but it's more of a drama now. Yeah. Like I said, we've had a few movies on this list already that were that fell into... The drama category or the thriller category yeah. more than a top 100 horror. Well, I, I mean, but the idea, I mean, like, society changes. And in the 40s, the concept of, like, the woman, like, shutting her husband out and stalking and wanting to kill and becoming a creature, like, it was horrific. But now it's kind of, it's very, it's a little too tame. And even then it was, I have a feeling, I mean, I know that all these movies, for different reasons, were bashed. Leopard Man was bashed for being too horrific. Like, people could not wrap their minds around a serial killer, and people literally thought the concept of serial killer was so disgusting that they just did it for film. You know, which now looks dated, and people look back on the movie and go, oh no, it's this classic. Whereas Cat People, I mean, I've read, I, you know, doing a little research for this, I kind of looked through the Wikipedia of the old reviews. A lot of people in the 40s were like, this ain't a horror movie, it's too tame. 
So when critics in the 40s are saying it's not a horror movie, it's too tame, it might be a way too tame for an audience in 2020. Oh, yeah. The remake in 1982, <clears throat> not tame. Well, in it, fact, very perverse. Yeah, it, well, you know, it, it, it's kind of interesting you're talking about the serial killer thing. I mean, there's always been killers and probably serial murders for as long as man has been a lot, you know, yeah. been around. It's just they didn't really put it to film. There's that, and then, well, like, they, they, but they never really, like, group. I, I mean, you know, this is third party here. I don't, I've done this reading. But talking to people, the concept of a killer was hard to get their mind around that someone was compelled to kill for reasons up until the 70s when all of a sudden we started getting tons of them. Mm. And then I actually, apparently, according to a friend of mine I'm not going to name, he's kind of a no one always really into serial killers, and I know he read this book. They say that the reason that there were serial killers in the 70s and 90s, according to a lot of books, is... And the, the book that he read referenced a lot of books say this, I don't know, is that uh, urbanization. Mm -hmm. You know, people were getting so close together that people that were on that edge started, you know, and now we've kind of got systems in place and such. But before the 70s, yeah, the concept was really... And it was interesting, that's what Leopard Man is. The Leopard Man, when they finally figure out who the killer is, like, I mean, I, I don't think this is giving away the plot. When they finally figure out the killer is, he doesn't even know why he kills. Mm -hmm. He just says something triggered him. And now that it's triggered, he just, when he sees something... And I'm not going to ruin what it is because it would reveal who the killer is. He is compelled to murder these women. And I think that for the 40s, that was something that people were like, <laughs> Because yeah. apparently the critics hated it because they said it was disgusting. But yeah, I actually think it's a really classy movie. Uh, it's really, uh, I mean, it's a really classy movie. It's real, I, it, it, Leopard Man, out of all these movies, even maybe even I Walk With a Zombie, which I do really like. And I'm going to throw this out here. I, one of the reasons I like all these movies... I love movie posters. I have tons of old movie posters. All of these have great movie posters, but I Walk With a Zombie as the best movie poster. But uh, I can attest to this. I've seen his. Uh, <laughs> I've seen his poster collection. At one point, it wallpapered an entire room, head <laughs> you know, from from wall to ceiling. Oh yeah, I I love the '50s artwork. Day of the Triffids. Uh, what was it? Viking women in the sea serpent. I mean, I got all that stuff. But um, Day of uh, the Triffids. I haven't seen that in yeah. a long time. I walk with, but uh, no, I think the Leopard Man's uh, better than even I Walk with Zombie. I mean, I can see why I Walk with Zombie being higher rated. We'll get there. I don't want to ruin that and waste time, but Leopard Man's a great film. I highly recommend it. anyone watches it. And you know, but these RKO pictures are only about an hour and ten minutes. They're not big commitments. You're basically watching an episode of television at this point. So. All right. Well then, we've got your rating. And uh, I do want to throw out there again, Night of the Demon. Night of the that Demon. That is a watch. All right. Okay, so we knocked out uh, Leopard Man, which was number 30, skipped over a movie and knocked out number 28, which was Cat People. So we were two in. So we're going to go back to 29. Sorry for the confusion there, but I understand why he wanted to kind of merge those two. But we're going to go back to one that I really enjoy, and I know Rich enjoys, um, from a director I really enjoy. Matter of fact, he's responsible for one of my favorite movies of all time, actually. Ghost of Mars. Not Ghost of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost of Mars, that knockoff heavy metal bullshit. I actually like Ghost of Mars. No, I mean, you know what? I could enjoy oh, you it. the same thing about rock and roll. Yeah, I could enjoy it for what it was, but it, it was no... Oh, it wasn't good. Yeah, it was... No. It was fun. I can't even give in and say that it was good in any fashion. But it, it, it had comes. It, dude, it was enjoyable for what it was. It's fun. It it's was fun. a live action heavy metal skit, is what it was. Like, you know, the old classic comic book heavy metal It skit. was fun, though. Yeah, but they live. 
Number 29, 1988. <laughs> and if you don't know about this point, we're talking about John Carter. Yes, John Carter, sorry. Yes, guy that was responsible for Halloween, The Thing, a lot of the classics. Um, Arguably the best horror director of all time. Yeah, I, in my opinion, he's made some of my favorite horror films, yes. Some people might say, oh, Wes Craven or some people might I say, think John Carpenter's better. Yeah, John, John Carpenter was responsible for some extremely iconic horror. The Thing being one of and we'll get there. That's one of my favorite horror films ever made. And that, that sci-fi, horror, a couple different things. But um, they live. This is more of a... This is not a horror movie. It, yeah, this is... This I, is on here because John Carpenter directed it. I guess you could say in one way there is a horror aspect to this. This movie deals with an alien... Let's see... I'm not going to spoil this film, you know, as far as the ending is concerned, but you have to oh, know. Oh, yeah, we can't really. <clears throat> but you have to know what the, what the basis is on here. And it's about a secret invasion of aliens that, hum, you know, humanity cannot see. And the people that do know that they're here are paid off or are in cahoots with them, if that makes sense. Um, this movie follows Roddy Piper, Rowdy Roddy Piper, the wrestler from way back when who is a drifter, he comes into a small, or a big city, I should say, and gets involved in a scheme, or not a scheme, I'm sorry, a resistance uh, against these aliens that um, apparently there, there is a group of people that know about and eventually is introduced and can see them. And it just kind of... It just kind of goes crazy from there. I mean, this movie is full of all kinds of political statements. Yeah, I mean, um, this is this is a this is a sci-fi action film mm-hmm. making political statements. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, that's that, there is no horror in this movie. I'm glad this is on the list so we can talk about it because I love They Live. The only horror I can, love it. The only way I can say that there might be some horror in it is how is how plausible some maybe not the aliens but how plausible some of the subliminal control and messages from the government could possibly be real i guess does that make sense yeah i, I can i guess i could see that but that really isn't a horror film like horror horror film like you watch okay prince of darkness you watch halloween those are horror but you know this movie really deals Just, with the only thing i have to say is the only horror element of this movie and once i say it all of you who've seen this movie will forever be shaken is that clearly meg foster was cloned and made Jason Isaacs. Because if you take <laughs> yeah, They Live awesome. and Play it side by side with the Patriot, it's the same fucking person. Uh, fucking, while fucking Roddy Piper is seducing Mick Foster, fucking Mel Gibson's fighting him to death with a tomahawk. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jason Isaacs is Mick Foster. You gotta be like, <laughs> something weird going on there. Uh, their eyes, those steely blue fucking snake eyes, their facial oh, impression. Fo- They're fucking the same person. I'm sorry, Meg Foster, but I, I've seen her in a movie recently. And oh, she, I, hey, she didn't age well, but she was attractive. Time, time was not good to Meg Foster. They, they, but have, they, have, they have a reptilian look. Mm-hmm. Their eyes are identical. Their facial features, even the way they smirk. All right. All now, right. you'll okay. never, ever see Meg Foster without seeing Jason Isaacs and vice versa. Okay, okay. I'll There's have some re- cloning going on. I'll have to. I'll have to revisit that because I'm cloning. But the movie, the movie really Both good. Acting. The movie really is a, a fantastic film. There's a lot of action. There. There's a very awesome iconic fight scene between the two main characters that action that just pushes 
any kind of believable boundary uh, in, in its awesome. Oh, it's a, it, it makes the movie. Yeah, it's it's an awesome scene. But I, I remember the first time I saw They Live was in high school mm-hmm. with a friend of mine, and we legitimately could not stop laughing. So it just keeps going, and not laughing in a bad way. Like, it was just so awesome. Just so awesome. Well, just imagine yourself how you would feel if one day you kind of woke up out of a brainwash. It's basically what, what's going on with the people in this movie. And you look all around you and everything's telling you to sleep or to consume or to eat or to buy. All this stuff is is subliminal that you didn't even realize was there. And you're just woke up into this and you can see that. And that's a a lot of what this movie is. Not only just an alien takeover, but mind control and subliminal messaging. And and the elite, it touches a lot on how the elite and the rich... um, are kind of unaffected by this stuff because they are part of it, and it's it's very, it's a very interesting movie. We can't go, I can't go any further without ruining the, you know the, the rest of the movie. But it's it's, uh, I might have gone too far already. But no, it, it's no, a really good. No, one. He puts on the he puts on sunglasses that reveal when he's in. I think that's like a mini mark. That's like in the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. No, it's, well, it's thirty minutes yeah, in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it's, it's it's so. I mean, no, that doesn't ruin anything. I will say this much, and I'm getting back to the critic thing. Another film that critics said was terrible, that took like five years, everyone back, no, it's awesome, and now critics are like, it's so great. But great movie. I personally think that, uh, I have no idea why the hell it's on this list. But it's an awesome film. This is a five rich film. Oh, they live. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course. And this is five for me. Like, I, I, mean, I the love The pacing, this movie. the acting, the lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, everything that Duke Nukem, if you were a yeah, young you were guy, a you know who yeah. Duke Nukem is, was stolen from this movie. Yep. Basically, they were like, love this movie, steal the lines. Yep, and a lot of them are, a lot of the lines were put into that game. And it is true, they, they borrowed a lot, because obviously, Duke Nukem didn't come out before they live, so, you know. The special so. effects, also, they've aged mm-hmm. incredibly well. I just watched this mm-hmm. last year. Yep. And, uh, you know... Basically, for you who've never in any way seen something that makes fun of or a meme of they live, when they put on the glasses, the aliens are revealed, and they have a very kind of strange stole thing. Yeah, it's almost like, like almost, they're stoleish. Yeah, yeah, like almost like flesh. Yeah, well, fleshless almost. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's and a it, very it interesting. Look, it looks. It still looks fucking great. But yeah, great. but I I can fully agree with Richard. It's not a horror film, uh, but it's definitely. It definitely has got some spooky ideas being uh, presented to you in the film. Not uh, not supernaturally, but just how things could possibly be without our without our realization, you know, coming from the government and stuff like that. And it's it's a very it's a very cool movie. And once again, you know, I am kind of a fanboy of John Carpenter, so I don't know. I might be biased, you know my opinion might be biased, but well, at the same I mean, time, I mean, the only thing I can think of. You know, I'm changing gears here uh, to get on page with why they think this is a horror movie. Is that he, you know, is that he? He's a horror director, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and there is a lot, a godly amount of violence in this movie. 
not visceral. Not violence. visceral. Yeah, violence. not like so I'm just talking about the actual but, amount yeah. of time film. Mm-hmm. Like the fight scene we keep referencing is at least five and a half, six minutes long. Yeah, it is. It's a long <laughs> fight scene, and neither one of those guys. Let's be honest. Neither one of those guys would have walked away from that. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't fight for five minutes and not end up in the hospital or dead. <laughs> so. I mean, at one point they are literally kicking each other so hard in the balls, kneeing each other, hitting each other with boards and all kinds of shit. There's no way. Well, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing particularly visceral about this. There's mm. nothing really particularly gory. There's nothing designed to really scare you, other than the concept that you are living a lie and don't know it. Yep. It, it, well, and it. it, it and like I said, a very, I mean, I can't, it is sci-fi. I can't say that it's completely plausible, but at the same time, it, I, I mean, well, it, it's it's definitely something that, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's something that could happen. I think it's very plausible. I mean, the concept is, you know, these, these aliens are controlling everything because they've landed and are colonizing. And I mean, honestly, if you could travel through the stars, how could you not make a device that stops people from seeing what's really there? Yeah, and it, it is pretty crazy. Like when he finally wakes up and sees what, what uh, now? Where do you think he gets the glasses? What's that? Where do you think he gets the glasses? You got any theories? Where where the main? Yeah, where Roddy Piper got. Well, the he well he steals the glasses from the resistance. Yeah, I know. Now where the resistance got the glasses, I don't know. Obviously, scientists or somebody had to have found out. Maybe from one of. The, well, see, we can't go too far down. I know. Route. I always thought that the glasses were another alien group. Could be that was trying to destabilize their enemy. That that or literally, some, I put a lot of weird. That or one of the elites turned and because I've seen this movie like twenty times, I put a lot of thought into it. Sometimes I'm very drunk, going, "I wonder how." <laughs> well, I mean, and there's a possibility, like I mentioned earlier, how the elite and the rich mm-hmm. and the upper class are all in on it and everything else. Maybe one of them rebelled and told somebody, you know, got somebody scientific in on it. And they figured it out. It could be that. It could be another alien race. I mean, who knows? The movie is pretty crazy. Yeah. Now, the one reason, that, but the one reason that we, I, and I'm just going to, you know, reiterate this one more time. I think it's on the list. It's because... John Carpenter. He, John Carpenter. I mean, yeah. at this point, all he had made was horror movies, you know, and he made the greatest horror movies. He made, there's like two, or maybe even three on this, no, is there four, is there three or four movies of his on this list? I think there's three. Yeah. I'm just saying, and two of them, which we haven't even got to, he'd already made by the time They Live came out. So I can see why somebody, seeing it's a great movie and it's a horror director, is like overthinking it like, oh, it's a hidden world thing, like uh, Lovecraft well, or something. Well, but it's it's not. It's, well, like I it's said, sci-fi. Well, like it's, I said, I, I feel like, the, like I, I did say that it's not a horror film, but I still think there are little horror elements into it with... With the mind control yeah, but and I'm all saying, that I, stuff. But it's not like Even a, though this is a five-inch movie, we can't put it on the list. Mm. can't be on the list. I still, I still think that there are little... There's little horror in there here and there, just with the idea of what's happening. Now, visually, not necessarily. Some people... there You might have squeamish people that don't like how they look, but... I don't know. I, just, I think yeah. the idea of it is a little bit horrifying. Um, but beyond that, it's not like... Like I mentioned earlier, it's not like watching Prince of Darkness or The Thing or... Halloween, or pretty much every other one. Yeah, of it's not quite like that. In the Mouth of Madness, you know. Oh yeah, so he does have four on the list. Yeah, so he does. That's right. He's got the fog. In, in the, the mouth. mouth of Madness, and we're gonna Halloween, come up on Halloween and the thing. the thing. Yeah, but I can agree with that. I mean, he definitely deserves to have multiple spots on this list. Oh, he. It, just my personal opinion. I think we'll get there, but I, 
I'd be very hard not to give him the top spot for a specific movie. So. Yeah. Well, I already have one in mind. But I already, I already. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah. All right. Well. So once again, I think we both said five, five riches, riches, but not a horror movie. But if you're out there and you have not seen this, this is a movie you should watch. Yeah, right it's now. definitely like cool. turn us off, watch it, come back. All right. So we, as we spoke about earlier, Richard already hit cat people. So that takes the 28 spots. We're going to skip over that because we've already hit it. And that takes us to the aforementioned Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which I spoke about at the beginning of the episode. Um, I have the movie and just didn't get a chance to see it. So this will be put at the, re the um, back end of our movie watching. Um, I'll watch it be you know pretty soon, actually, probably this week. But... Um, we will hit it again once we're done with this list and we go back to the ones that we still haven't been able to see. And we'll go back over that. So that's number 27, Firewalk With Me. We're going to skip down to number 26, which is The Innocence, 1961. Love that movie. Yep. Uh, who do we got? Well, who is the director of this bad boy? Yeah, well, the, Slant Magazine's comparing it to having the same fear of sex underlying the, uh, underlining the cat people. You know, is it kind? Is it kind of the same type of deal? Or? So I, I I read that about cat people, and I'm sorry. I just I don't. Maybe the director said something, but you know, I never got that vibe from cat people. It's not a fear of sex. She, it's it's a fear of, like, she's literally her. her she is afraid of herself. Yes, and being aroused because she can turn into a cat, but. It's not a fear of sex that cat people's about. Cat people is about uh, dealing with losing what's yours because you are not capable of being what you think you can be. That's what cat people's really about. The whole movie is about once the husband is getting comforted by the other woman and she knows the other woman is going to take him and there's nothing she can do about it because she can't change... That's what that movie's about, being trapped in that cycle. And the more and more she tries to express to him, the more he drives him away, that's really what that movie's about. So, no, I mean, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there is some sexual repression in both movies. The Innocence way more. You know, The Innocence has been... The Innocence is a strange movie. Have you seen it? Okay, so... The Innocence... No, once again, like I said, some of these older classics, I, you know... I just haven't seen. We're kind of well. The uh, Innocence has uh, been remade multiple times, so I'm going to read you a couple. Mm -hmm. uh, it's based off an old story called Turn the Screw. Have you seen The Turning? No. Oh, you know. Actually, uh, I might have seen The Turning. That's what, the one. What year did that come out? That was just like three years ago. Okay, I, think I, I that's did, the one I that I told you is really jumbled. By the way, for any of you out there, The Turning is okay, one watch, but it's a mess. It's got, actually, I do think I saw The Turning. Okay, so yeah, yeah it's. So the turn of the screw here, I'm looking up the story. Just give me a second, guys, here, because one of these adaptations, I'm sure you've seen it. So you got, so you got on stage, right, so films. It's been The Innocence, The Nightcomers, Presence of Mind, In a Dark Place, The Others. The Others, okay. Okay, okay so a lot The Turning. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've seen one of these movies, you can kind of talk about the storyline. Governess, young mm -hmm. kids, the kids are more advanced than they should be, interested in sexual type things, uh... The, it's freaking the governess out because the kids don't seem like kids. Then it devolves into ghosts and what's wrong with the governess, what's real, what's not real. The Innocence is fantastic. I do think, even after all these remakes, maybe... You know, the others, I've just never really been a big fan of Nicole Kidman. So <laughs> yeah. I think... I, and no, no uh, 
you know, insult to her. She's just never really been... So it wasn't my favorite movie. But but we're not talking about the others. We're talking about um, The Innocents. So if you compared to some of the remakes... I mean, what do you... Th- I mean, how do you... Oh, feel I think The Innocents is the best. You think so? I still think it's the best. In fact, and I was bringing this up... Um, this is an older movie that I do think not only deserves to be on this list, I wish it had wider distribution. So I actually wanted to revisit this movie because I had seen it when I was really young, mm-hmm. and I wanted to rewatch it to make sure that it was as good as I remember. And this movie's impossible to find, except some guy, I don't know how he's getting away with it, has it on YouTube right now for free. Oh, really? So you can watch it on YouTube, and I, you know... I don't even know what prompted me to go to YouTube. I never go to YouTube. Anyone that knows me, I really don't. But I was like, you know, sometimes old movies are on there. Like, the only way I could find Blind Fury one time when I was showing people to party. By the way, great movie, Blind Fury. Rutger Hauer playing a blind swordsman. Can't oh, go yeah. Um, yeah. That movie. Well, that's for another time. Yeah, another that, that movie was ridiculous. All I have to say is, <laughs> you know you have a great movie for a party when a blind man is able to cut the only load-bearing log on a building by sensing that it's load-bearing? Yeah, like, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. the, the whole opening, remember when he's in the bar? Yes. And he's whooping the shit out. I, the movie was, uh, yeah, that's for that's a topic. No, for different, that's a different podcast. Yeah, because we're actually going to start doing some top uh, Cage, top Schwarzenegger, top, top Stallone. Top Rucker Howard would be fun. Yeah, to, we could actually do a top Rucker Howard because I actually like him. Yeah, he's a... Of course, you know, Blade Runner has got to be, oh, that's got one of the most yeah. iconic. Yeah. I think there's a story... I, Real quick story. So there, you know, he's got that speech, and he was in a remake of Salem's Lot with Rob Lowe. Oh no, I remember. And that one, one time, Rob Lowe gave an interview, and if anyone that's seen Salem's Lot knows that Rob Lowe's talking about Rutger Howard because he goes, "Yeah, the only time I ever had a problem on set was some actor who I don't want to insult, but he had a death scene. It was a vampire flick. Rob Lowe's only made one vampire flick, yep. and only one death scene in that movie involves a vampire, Rutger Howard. He goes, he showed up with a twenty-minute speech." <laughs> It was a bad copy of another movie he'd done about being a cowboy in the rain. <laughs> yeah. The director, when he got done filming, went, What the fuck? Just film it the way I told you. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that, he, modeled, he, he tried to remonologue that like, scene, apparently. Like, in the, like Tears in the Rain. Yeah. But that is not a knock on him. He's a good actor. And that Salem's Lot with him and Rob Lowe is very good. People should watch it if you like Salem's like, Lot. You know, Salem's Lot. <sighs> But for a TV movie, that's yeah, good. For, it was a TV for movie. For a TV so you, you movie, we will identity. qualify yeah, for a TV movie. It was like movie. a mini series. Yeah, for yeah. a TV movie, too. But anyway, getting back to The Innocents. No, I rewatched this because of YouTube. And uh, basically, um, yeah, it held up. I think that uh, this is one of those horror movie ghost stories from the 60s that is still scary, still tense. Uh, I think it's due to the fact that uh, I'm going to look up her name to make sure I get it right. I think it's Deborah Kerr, but you don't see her too often. Uh, and I'm bad with names, and I hate to get someone's name wrong. <laughs> and when I do, I feel bad. All right. Deborah Kerr, yeah. So Deborah Kerr, I mean, she's incredible in the movie. Her performance is fantastic. The movie's incredibly well shot. Uh, for the time period and for today, um, the kids do a good job. They don't overact. Uh, they don't underact. You know, it's just what a kid should be. The the storyline is a great storyline, hence why it's been made into like five movies and eight plays and who God knows what else. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, uh, I definitely think that this holds up 
this should be on this list. This is a five riches movie. Uh, and honestly, if we were doing top ten ghost stories, I I think The Innocence might make my top ten ghost stories ever put to film. Really? It's a really good movie. This is a really, really solid ghost story. Now, the one qualifier is you have to like a ghost story. You know, not everyone likes ghost stories. The pacing, the actual thinking about what's creepy. Like, I remember I went to a film festival that didn't take off, and the format sucked. It was a... It was a I invited you. This was like a Lone in the Dark festival or something. It was about 10 years back. Mm-hmm. And the, instead of sending send it, you guys screwed up. If any of you ever hear this out there, this is where you screwed up. We couldn't just buy one ticket and be done with it. You had to go back to the box office and buy another ticket. You had, for every single movie, you had to go back and buy another ticket. Yeah, I wasn't able to attend, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, so who? Yeah. No, yeah, so like, but there was a there was a ghost story in there with an actor I like named Dominic Purcell. And it was the best movie out of that festival. It was by far the best movie, except for one movie I missed. But I, uh, and there was a scene where a piano was being played, and he's just watching the piano play itself. You know, for a lot of people, those types of scenes don't creep them out. But if you can put yourself really in, like for the people that like ghost stories, I think they're able to put themselves in the person watching its position. That'd be fucking terrifying. You're literally walking out of your kitchen with your orange juice, and you just watch your piano start playing itself. You'd be like, "What the fuck is going?" And that's the way the innocence works. If you can, if you kind of have that level of empathy for characters in a ghost story, you're gonna like this movie. It's gonna hold up. It's filmed well. It's acted well. It's a great story. I think it's the best adaptation out of all of these. And I liked the others. I actually liked Elements of the Turning. I, I'm gonna throw out a quasi recommendation. It's a narrative mess, and the end sucks. But there is some great scenes in the turn. All right. So yeah. that so you, what your final rating was five a five, five, five a solid ridges. five. Okay. Oh yeah, I, I I might put this <clears throat> top ten ghost stories ever put to film. Okay. I mean, it wouldn't be like nine to seven. Like even above like the Changeling and Haunting a Hell House. Or... I don't know if it'd be above them, but it'd be in there with them. It'd yeah. be in there with them because yeah, those this, are some of my favorites. This is you like you go to YouTube and watch this movie. You're gonna okay. like this movie. I'll check it out. I was all I always liked the you know like Hell House and stuff like that. I, I especially liked the book. For all you listening, I know this is a movie podcast, but the the book Hell House was legend, legend of Hell House or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I read that years ago, but I remember that being just so much better than the movie. But the movie was still was still good. Changeling is a classic. I love the cha- Changeling yeah. is a movie. That if you go in paying attention, you're gonna love it. If you don't, you're gonna go, "What the hell were the rich talking about? The movie sucked." So pay attention. Then of course you know you've got you've got the Conjuring, you've got the Insidious. I mean those. I you know I can't put I would never put a Conjuring on the list because it turns into a possession a possession film in the end. But yeah. I still feel like that up first until the possession yeah. part, I was digging that movie. I actually we saw this movie together with him, mm-hmm. and if he remembers correctly, I literally. Turn into a fucking possession. It movie. does. It does, but it has some of the some of the most freaky hauntings. Oh, it, most people are gonna like that. Yeah. I, as I brought this up before, and we'll bring up again, I have a personal hatred for possession movies. There's only two or three I like. Yeah, uh, Last Exorcism was one that I really. Oh, did. love that. But see, one. that goes back to not to get too far off topic, but that that goes back to a, like a throwback of classic. That movies. that 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 has so many great elements. You know, Last Exorcism is one of those. It, oh. It, Cult it, classics we yep. recommend you watch. And even though it's a found footage film, which I typically don't like, there's only a, a few that I do, that one just falls into... like. Well, but a, the found footage is what makes this twist so Yeah, great. and the twist is like old school horror. Oh, yeah. Like, it goes... 
fire and brimstone on you, which is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, but, I mean, that's a, you know, if we were going to make a list of 100 most underrated mm-hmm. horror movies, Last Exorcism. Yeah, that, that has a whole bunch of different elements to it. Loss of, loss of faith, and, you know, regaining of faith, and, you know, it's got good horror, it's got possession, it's got all that. And surprisingly good acting. Yes. For being found footage, I couldn't believe it. But, all right, so, moving on, number 25, Vampire, 1932. Now, it's been, and I was talking with Rich about this earlier, it has been so long since I have viewed this movie that I almost thought I hadn't. But after reviewing it, I do remember this movie. And if I remember correctly, uh, it's about a guy that goes into an inn where a girl is slowly turning into a vampire. Yeah, and it's I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I have watched it. It's just been a very long time. So, and I I believe there's even a little murder mystery in there too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since I watched this movie too. Uh you know, and and to be honest with you, this was not a heavy hitter for me. Is in I can't even. Remember. I, I, I I you said there's a little bit of a murder mystery on that. There I'm is. Gonna, I I'm gonna say I don't remember. I think, if I remember correctly, I don't know if it's an innkeeper or an old man gets so, shot by somebody and uh, murdered in the yeah. inn. I will admit that while we were, right before we did this podcast, I actually Googled this movie. And mm-hmm. the reason I did, even though I've seen it, is I was trying to remember if this is a silent movie or not a silent movie. Because there is silent movie cards in the movie. I remember that. Mm-hmm. But I also remember dialogue. And that was really confusing me. So... Google has answered that it's both. It's very sparsely dialogued with silent movie cards. Uh, so, if Google's right, then we're not going to... But I'm just... I had to, that show, That's how little I remember this movie. I had to actually Google if it was a silent film. I remember some shots from this movie really well. Um, there is some scenes where the vampire is coming into the windows that are really, really well done. I remember a particular scene with the girl, uh, like in an attic. Yeah, well, she's slowly turning into a... During that guy, because I think he's a drifter. See, I did not. The only thing that the, the way that I reminded myself that I'd seen this is I just looked it up. I looked it up and read the little synopsis. Yeah. But I, what I now I kind of remember it. She's slowly throughout the entire film just turning into a vampire while she's in that inn. And I can't remember if the guy that comes in there is a homeless guy or a drifter or. Or, I think he's a drifter. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but I will tell the tell Well, I mean, he is a, he's homeless. He is a drifter. Yeah, yeah, he's I guess that's true. But he's a, he's a, he's, well, yeah, drifter is the best word for it. He's a, uh, what do they call it in Europe? Uh, vagabond. He's yeah, a vagabond. He's a professional a hobo. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> they call it vagabond, right? But, you know, you know, people that really value this movie, like, there might be some of you out there that just love vampire. The fact that I have seen this at one point, don't really remember it very well, tells you that it didn't stand out in my mind. Yeah, I mean... So I, I really don't... Like, I didn't I didn't retain it as being something I really enjoyed. So I, I don't have much to say about this one. I don't think I would have put this on here. But then again, maybe if I rewatched it, that might change my perspective. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a movie I haven't seen in a long, long... So this might be one that I, I throw back on the back at Burner and, and maybe um, rewatch. Right now, I'm, I can't say I'd give this a very high rating because I don't remember liking it very much. Well, I, if I, you know, this is, I, I actually just looked it up, and he's neither a vagabond nor a drifter. He's apparently 
a student. Oh, okay. See, yeah, see, was see, that's see how that's how but, long ago but it was. I the, the, the idea of this movie is kind of interesting in that, yeah, there's the threat inside and there's the threat outside. Mm-hmm. And there's a I, the only thing I really remember about this movie is there's some really great scenes of like trying to get in, uh-huh. you know, like the van, you know, and like hands <laughs> on windows and trying. And there's a creepy element and a factor. But if I remember correctly, and you know, this I haven't seen this movie in maybe twenty years, so like, hey, if I get this wrong, whatever. But I remember this movie being very simplistic in plot. Like basically, shows up, thing tries to get in, and then there is the twist, and then the end. There's like it's just it's kind of like a trapped in the house, trapped in the. It's like it's like feast. Without all the comedy and ridiculousness. Yes, Feast was great. But which, if you haven't seen Feast, Feast is just people trapped in a, in a bar, a bar by a bunch yeah, of freaks. Yeah, you know, the, it, it, very fast paced, yeah. very and they, crazy. Yeah, and they're trapped yeah. by a van. I remember it being good. I remember it being enjoyable, but in the silent film, I actually thought this was a silent film. Like I said, I looked it up because I thought I remembered some lines. But if there is lines in there, there's all there because there's silent movie cards. I do remember that, and I remember it being good. Like oh, I went through a silent movie phase. I have a friend. I used to watch a lot of silent movies with, uh, in fact, there's a silent movie coming up, me and him watched that. I do remember very well. And I remember it was just good. I don't remember being great. Uh, you know, I hate to, if we end up, like I said, underrate this movie, maybe we should rewatch it. I remember it being like a three and a half rich movie, and yeah. I enjoyed it. I don't remember I don't it even, blowing even, my mind. I don't even know if I'd give it three and a half. I mean, I'll, I'll go with you on that just because I, it's been so long since I've seen it. Now, but watch, that, what's going to end up happening is we're going re, re, to feel bad. We're gonna watch this movie. We're gonna come back and be like, it's five Richards. Yeah, sure. I mean, I but, may re. I am. I'm actually probably should revisit this movie. But no, I. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I remember that. Like I said, it's got a lot of really good. But the problem is, is you know, is that people and this is, this is gonna sound like an asshole thing, but a lot of people they watch one or two silent movies and then it blows them away and they go, oh man, this should be remembered forever. All the silent movies have fantastic shots, fantastic scenes. Because you had no sound. Mm-hmm. You're just plotting the shots. And if you don't have great shots, you don't have a good movie. There's not pretty much any silent movie that you watch that you're not like, that's a cool-ass shot. And so, like, I don't know. I think a lot of times these silent movies are a little overrated. And Vampire, like, it had some fantastic... I remember, it looks for great. But other than that, it's just people sitting around being like, yeah, what do we do? Yeah. That's... What I remember. A less interesting uh, Hateful Eight. <laughs> Never seen Hateful Eight. <laughs> yeah. I actually like Hateful Eight. You, you anyway. brought it up to me several Yeah, times. but anyway. And All by right. the way, it is very similar to Feast. It's classier. Feast is not classy. It has one scene that's so over the top and ridiculous it ruins the movie for a lot of people. Uh, mouth rape scene. Um, but if you can get over the mouth rape scene, highly recommend Feast. Yes. <laughs> it's actually a mouth rape scene in and Hateful Eight. And by the way, it's not Eight. <laughs> Yeah. But but all right. And the mouth rip scene's comedic, by the way. But they take it a little too far with the aftermath. Yeah, the the mouth rape scene in Feast is ridiculous. So yeah, if you haven't seen that one and you're not a squeamish person, and that, you finally get to see uh, Jay die. Yes, you get to see Jason Muse get the the wrong end of the stick, which you don't typically see. Gets his fucking face ripped off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and still. That's not what kills him. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of a... It's a cool movie. And all right... Um, that actually won a film contest to get made. It, it won Project Greenlight with Matt Damon, which was a cool show. Too bad that didn't last. It's probably the, the only thing that might turn some people off with Feast, not, once again, not to get too far off topic, is the camera work. The camera motion in the movie can be 
a little, a little nauseating at times. It is a very fast-moving uh, picture, and they did that a lot for, in my opinion, and I didn't read any trivia about this, but because of what budget they had, I believe that they were doing that kind of camera work to keep the camera moving so that you didn't have a lot of time to focus on the creatures. You know what I mean? I mean, they were well done, but I think they had a low budget, if I remember correctly. And um, they were doing that to kind of hide some of that, in my opinion. But uh, still came out good. Gross, disgusting, but not yeah, on the list. And, and not on the list. And yes, van, uh, and just to throw this out here, because I do want to say this. Vampire has fantastic camera work. If you're just into camera work, you like the movie. Plot's not good. All right. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to revisit that. It's got a really cool scene with a skull in the window. Yes. So, moving on. Number 24. This one is a classic. It's well known by many, many people and cultures alike. It's infamous. Um, it was actually said that it was a cursed film. There was a lot of bad things that occurred uh, during its filming. And that is The Exorcist, 1973. Um, I have seen The Exorcist a bunch of different times. Um, <laughs> Actually, once again, you've heard me mention Jake before. I've watched it with him. We actually sat and watched. Um, we have both have watched it with Jake. Yeah, we. Wa I I actually got to see that whole. That is I can't the, even remember how long. That was the night that I uh, cracked windshield. <laughs> yeah, the cracked windshield. Yeah. So we, but I I sat through the uh, making of and back, you know, behind the scenes thing with with Jake. Uh, maybe more than once. I can't remember. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, th this is an infamous movie. When it was released, I mean, people were, people needed to see priests. People were leaving the theater. People, you know, without, before the movie was done. It had... Well, you know what's crazy about the movie is, you know, this isn't a book podcast, but I just want to throw this out here before it gets too far. It's not just the movie that has crazy reaction. The book has a crazy thing going on where... It's never been on any bestseller list or anything. It's never been allowed, you know. The New York Times bestsellers, they wouldn't report it. The book sold like 10 million copies. Never made a bestseller list. They were trying to suppress how many copies it sold. Because mm -hmm. it was self-published. Yeah, see, I don't know much about the book. Well, I just want to throw out even the book's controversial. Yeah. Well, it's a very controversial story. I mean, it, and, so, and it's just iconic. When you hear horror, you know, it, you're hard-pressed not to think of The Exorcist or at least see it on almost every list that you see. I mean, it's got some really disturbing scenes. I mean, there, there is a crucifix masturbation scene in this movie. There's all kinds of different things going on. The, the famous pea soup vomit scene. and You know, just interesting. You see, I don't want to say too much about it. And then there was the eternal rumor until the internet saw that Linda Blair killed herself. Yeah, which she didn't. She just then the went, internet came out and proved that wrong. Yeah, she yeah. just went on to make just... Horrible films. That's <laughs> what you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like there was a whole subculture of exorcism. Not herself, trivia. her career. Yeah, her career, yeah. <laughs> yeah, her career was exercised during, you know, after this film. But uh, very interesting movie. Young girl plays with a Ouija board of all things. It's, I hate Ouija boards. I would never have one in my house. And meets a... Uh, an entity called Captain Howdy, which ends up which ends up being a demon that possesses her, and uh, things just go really wrong for well her obviously and for the mother 
she was absolutely just horrified with all the atrocious things that her daughter's saying, what she's doing. I mean, she does some does and says some foul things in this movie. And uh, <laughs> it's actually kind of, I can see why it was so shocking back then. I mean, you got to understand, I mean, a movie like Jaws came out and horrified. And Jaws was a horrifying movie, don't get me wrong. I mean, that... But that's all I'm saying. They're not even on the same level. The Exorcist was so much more foul, so much more just wrong on so many levels that you could just imagine. You got a movie that came out just a couple years later, horrifying the nation. Imagine what this movie would have done. I mean, really in-your-face religious contexts and at a time where that meant a lot in mm-hmm. the culture of the United States. Mm-hmm. Like, now is totally different ballgame. Well, and nothing like this had ever come out. And and you even move away from the religious implications of the film, which there is a ton of, obviously. Um, just what you see and just what the girl is doing throughout the film, you've never seen before. Well, it. yeah, you know, and I, I hate to bring up trivia that just shows, I just want to show the cultural impact of this movie. It... Is the first horror movie to surpass The Exorcist. It has surpassed it by $40 million. So adjusted for inflation, The Exorcist made over a billion dollars. An R-rated horror movie that made over a billion fucking Through its run. Yeah. yeah, it made $440 million in its run. Mm-hmm. Just for inflation, over a billion. That means it made double what it and it... I mean, it made more than it and it chapter two. And another thing, not only did it make that much money and everyone was watching it, but this got nominated for a cat for Best Picture. This is Academy Award nominated for Best Picture. That's the kind of impact it had. I mean, this is well, and this it, is it, an iconic. Well, movie. and it also not only, you know, he's saying it was non, you know, getting nominated for things. It really turned off a lot of people too. Like so, people, oh, this movie was so infamous. This like, this changed the country. Mm-hmm. Like this is. Uh, you can't say that about many horror movies. No, and then and then all the behind-the-scenes aspects of this thing. I mean, just the ill fate that was befalling the people that were involved with it and the, the idea that it might be cursed. I mean, that they were saying the same types of things about the, the poltergeist, but, you know, poltergeist did not deal with some of the same things that this movie did. I mean, this one, this was an extremely religious... And sometimes blasphemous movie, depending well, yeah, on how you I look at. This is a, this is a, you know, this is this is a whole nother level. Oh yeah. The only thing that could come close to this is Jaws, and I don't think Jaws reaches this level of cultural impact. No, and that's why I brought up Jaws. I was just yeah. you know, comparing the two because yeah. Jaws was, Jaws was that second one that yeah. came out. It's what did it come out seventy five something like that? I can't remember. It was right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It came out after The Exorcist. If I if I remember correctly. But, you know, Jaws, look at the impact, like I said earlier, that that had on people. And then you go back and watch The Exorcist and how much more just atrocious this movie was and its subject matter, you can, you can understand why people uh, reacted the way they, they did to this. And then, uh, of course, over the years, it got, more, you know, a cult status and everything oh, else. Oh, this, this so. movie, I mean, this movie did so many things we can't even talk about it all. Not only all the stuff you mentioned, I mean, this movie's in the, Congress selected it for preservation mm-hmm. in the National Library, but also, this movie just changed the film industry. You know, this movie's what fucking ended black exploitation flicks. You know, they didn't used to run white horror movies in black neighborhoods, thinking that black people want to see black people in horror movies. This movie was doing so well that they moved to black theaters, it made so much money, 
the studios canned the black exploitation films. Why film two separate groups of movies? I mean, this this movie. I mean, even if you, I personally don't like the movie a whole lot. <laughs> I don't like. Well, possession you, you movies. already said yeah. you don't. Like I don't possession like possession movies. movies. I mean, this is a great movie. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the movie for what it is. This is so well filmed, so well acted, and it is intense. It will always be intense. Um, I would. I still would. I would include this. On a top one hundred. Oh, oh you can't, it has yeah, to you be. Can't, you can't I think it's got to be a top twenty, no matter what. Yeah, it can't not be, not only from its impact uh, on on society, but on myself. This has to be on in the top one hundred period, and it's a five star from me just because. Yeah, of, yeah. No, this is a five rich Easy. movie. I mean, this is this is this is just the case of where this is. I appreciate everything for this. I don't like. Mm-hmm. I have a pet peeve. Like you know, we brought up pet peeves since the beginning of this, and you know, obviously sometimes they. Like we brought up, I brought up, uh, fucking the, uh, the the questionable sexual encounters in a movie last week. That's a people's pet peeve. That's why I bring it up. Like for me, I don't get that stuff. Doesn't make mad. But if you go, it's an Exorcist movie. There's a good chance I'm like, let's watch something else. It's just yeah. it's just not my thing. But I have seen this movie two or three times. I've enjoyed it every time. But my love of it is no, I don't have a love affair because I don't like the genre. Well, and for me, I don't. I. With movies like this, I'm not really big into watching super say you know super super satanic stuff over and over and over again. It's just for me, it's just not. I don't know. It's not your cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea. But you know what? What I did see from this movie, and I have seen it a few times, uh, it definitely deserves its spot. It is horrifying, and it was done in a way that it had never been done before, or probably even. Ever again. And, and, so. yeah, and, you know, and it's just, it's a perfect, it's a whirlwind of, of circumstances. You know, it's like everyone was, everyone that decided to do the movie, I think was really, really giving their best. They're all because of the fact that it was going to be such a, uh, if they just, they fucked it up, you know, it's a career ruining movie. And then, I mean, the way it's filmed is, is really honestly... Even though it was dealing with something that wasn't a classic horror movie, it's shot like a classic horror movie. Mm-hmm. The panning shots, the old man walking up in the stuff, all of it. I mean, it's like a perfect synthesis of what was to come and what was before. I mean, it's iconic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great movie. A lot of great parodies. Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Does quite... Scary good. Movie 2. Yep. Probably has one of the best. As much as I know some people... <laughs> don't like those types of films or turned off by them. Uh, there is a James Woods uh, parody of The Exorcist in the beginning of that to stand me rolling. And that not only parodies uh, The Exorcist, but it hits a little bit of uh, Amityville horror as well, which I kind of enjoyed. But, all right. So for the sake of time, let's move on, because we could keep going on. There is so much. This that, is a movie you could dedicate a whole podcast to. Yeah, well, yeah. I've <laughs> seen so much of the bat, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff that we could just keep talking about is trivia, but we, we can't. And underrated Exorcist sequel, the best Exorcist sequel is Exorcist 3. Yeah, I guess I could see that. It was better than that the the one with William Hurt. Was it William Hurt? Yeah. Yeah, it was better. I think it was William Hurt. Exorcist 3's got George C. Scott, who's great, and it's got that really great, great, great scene where the nurse is walking up and down in the, the, the fucking hallway and then you know what happens. If you've seen it, if you haven't, at least watch YouTube that scene. YouTube Exorcist 3 hallway scene. One of the best 
poor scenes. Like, Exorcist 3 got a great soundtrack. The whole movie, it's the best sequel. There's a lot of sequels to The Exorcist, surprisingly. Okay, so it was the Exorcist, the one I did not like, Exorcist the Beginning. Oh, and it was, wasn't, it was, was flying It wasn't William Hurt, it was, uh, it was uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, Skarsgård. We yeah. saw that in the theater together. Yes, and I did not like that movie. Yeah, that, that, she became a deadite. Yeah, pretty It literally much. was, it was Evil Dead meets The Exorcist. That yeah, it, yeah, it was not my favorite. Um, all right, so I kind of forgot about that movie until just now. Yeah, well, that's I kept thinking William Hurt for some reason, but no, Skarsgård. Um, number twenty three on the list is one that's going to. I don't even know if we can come back to this. Um, this was going to be one we were going to throw at the end. This is the possession, uh, not the. It's just called Possession. It actually has uh, Sam Neill, who you guys probably know from Jurassic Park. And if you don't, you should see at least the first Jurassic Park because that was, in my opinion, if you have the not, one and only. If but. you're listening to a movie podcast and you haven't watched Jurassic Park, turn this off, watch Jurassic Park, come back. Yeah, Jurassic Park, <laughs> exactly. the, the original. The original. <laughs> I mean, we're talking changed cinema. If you're at least interested in movies, you got to watch yeah, it. you yeah. got to watch it. So, I mean, even if you hate it, I mean, you got to at least see it. But, um, yeah, it's got young Sam Neill. I think that, you know, I guess I say it's probably never going to talk about Jurassic Park again. It's got the best setup for a villain ever, all right? When Wayne Knight puts the shaving cream on the pie, says it all. <laughs> who the fuck puts shaving cream on a man's pie? I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. You know, he's like, Dennis Nedry. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I so, mean, that says all you need to know about the character. Oh, Where yeah. the fucker puts shaving cream on some unsuspecting dude's cherry pot? Yep. And you know that guy bit into it. Yeah, for no reason. Yeah, so, <laughs> so anyway, um, Possession, 1981, Sam Neill. Uh, only thing I know about this movie is from what I've read. Um, it's supposed to be pretty disturbing. All right, I, I will say this. I, we're, trying to, we're searching for the movie. If it comes down to it, we can't find it. And we're finding it for a ridiculous price. Yeah, I found the uncut version of this film for $143. Yeah, they remade this movie this year. This last year, October of 2021, but you only made 1,500 copies. Who the hell only makes 1,500 copies? Well, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I have seen 51 minutes of this movie. Albeit, it was edited, and there was a strange Indian dude who kept talking about what he thought about the movie on top of the movie. I did see 51 minutes of this movie. So we can kind of give impressions if we can't find the movie based off that clip, but it's just going to be a bastard. But well, based off those 51 minutes... It's a weird movie. Yeah, but I heard it's pretty disturbing. And I will say this, though. This is one of those things. We will try to revisit this. We, I want to find this. Yeah, and I just, I, I do not see myself buying, just because I've never seen it. $100. Yeah, yeah I can't justify $140 for something I've never seen. Um, I might pay that for something I know is a, is a classic that I would want in my collection, but I don't know enough about this deep. movie. I don't think I, mean, I wouldn't pay one hundred and forty dollars for you know. Movie. I I've bought Humans from the Deep two times on Blu-ray. I've left it in my car twice. Both times someone's broken in my car to steal it. Must have amazing coverage. All I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I just I know I wouldn't pay a hundred bucks for any you know for Humanoids of the Deep, but I would. Best Roger Corman movie ever made. Yeah, I you know I I would I would put it in my collection. I do like that movie, but not one hundred and forty bucks for it. And see that's. Where I'm standoffish about yeah, this that's, now. That's where you're wrong. As <laughs> as we're going through this podcast, if we get more listeners and we start becoming in, in a spot, you know, we get into a spot where we absolutely have to. 
I might start throwing up that kind of money, but for now, yeah, we're, what we need to do is we need to start one of those little things where they can donate to us buying these obscure. Yes, because I'll watch it, but that'd be a good idea. But at the same time, you know, I I am interested in seeing it. So oh, I, I want to see this back. So I found a a region free copy of this for forty dollars that I'm still kind of mewling over. But the American version is highly edited, and the one forty is a guaranteed. Total cut. Yeah, well, it's a totally uncut. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to see the total cut because mm. apparently that's what, you know, that's what the depravity is. is the, yeah, the, the uncut version is supposed to be pretty bad. So I, or at least disturbing. But yeah, we'll come back to this one at the yep. end. So hopefully we can find this. I can track it down. I'm still going to try to look around eBay for this. Um, so far, I have, I have not tried to go to the auction sites to look for this yet, but, you know. Uh, I might be able to get my hands on it. This next one is, a, is an all-Richard classic, 1920, number 22, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Um, once again, I've said this a few times, well, more than a few times. Uh, this list has stumped me more than a lot of other lists would just because of how many of these, these old classic films are on here. I just I haven't seen a lot of things below the 70s. Um, only the real big ones, you know, the Hitchcocks, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, when we start getting into these types of films, it's hit or miss whether I've seen them. And uh, Caligari is definitely one I have not seen. I know where to see it. Yeah. You, can, you can actually find this on Shudder. Oh, yeah, this and, is... And uh, I think even Tubi or one of those other ones had this on there. This is popular enough to be on multiple streaming platforms, so... Um, but yeah, it never caught my eye. You know, like I said, I I, have my, I watch a lot of different types of horror, and this list of stuff. If you this list, this list has a lot of silent films. Yeah, I mean, and I've said this multiple times. A part, a lover of silent movies. It has too many silent movies on it. I mean, we're talking a hundred, hundred and ten years of cinema, and yet you have like seven movies from the first 15 years. I mean, come on, dude. come on. Like, what do you, like, it's like no, almost no movies from like the 90s in here. I don't, in fact, I think there's like two 90s movies that you got like seven silent films. I, I, yeah, anyway. 80s, 80s, 90s. I'm just saying, like, 70s. And yeah. you know, art forms tend to improve as the time yeah. goes on. You know, like, I mean, well, those are my decades yeah. for horror films. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like someone being like, you know what the greatest cars of all time are? The Model T, the Model A, everything else sucks. Yeah, it's like you know we make yeah. cars better after. All. But I know, anyway. I know this list. But this list does kind of kill me. But though. It, it kills me because it's, it's like it's none of none of my most known decades of horror film. What? And even the ones they choose from the seventies are so obscure. It's like okay, look, look. Don't get me wrong. I've oh, seen a lot. You'll hear our. Hundreds. I've seen a lot of obscure newbies, but some of these ones they're picking. I'm just like. Hey, but there's a lot of good picks here too. We've learned we've learned a lot, and you know yeah. that's the point of this. And you know what, our hundred list will uh, will definitely reveal. But no, Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Unlike a lot of these other silent movies, uh, this is this is an amazing movie. Um, this will always always be on these lists until the end of time, um, because it is the complete package: the storyline, the style. Um, the way it's filmed, it's, it's, it's just all came together perfectly. You have, uh, you know, the Slate Magazine article mentions it, if you're following along at home, it has the, the German Impressionism art style going on, 
the scenes are just demented. And I mean, they are, uh, they're like a fever dream. The, the plot line, uh, he's not a serial killer. There is a twist I'm not going to ruin. There is serial murder in the movie. Um, figuring out why, what's happening. Uh, you know, <sighs> Vampire had a lot of great shots. But I don't remember the storyline being great. I might revisit and change my mind. But Dr. Caligari, I still remember the storyline. Um, people sing songs about this movie. The band Creature Feature has a song about this movie. Dr. Sawbones. I mean, this is literally... Uh, this is, I don't know. It's It has a feel... It has it. There's movies that just have it. And when they do, they just... Everyone that watches them gets the same vibe. And this is just one of them. It's hard to describe the way the visuals sync with the acting, sync with the, like, what's going on, uh, to create such a dark, horrific fantasy. But it, it, this is a movie, if you have not seen it, and you like horror, you should watch it. If you like film, you should watch it. And this is the one silent movie on this list that I think will be on our hundred. No matter what, I think once Richard watches this, he will... He will give it the same rating I will, which is this is a five rich movie. This is a great movie. I mean, I'd like to say more, but there's just not a lot to say about silent films other than the visuals are very impressive, the storyline's great, and the editing's fantastic, and it all just comes together to, to be what a silent film is, which is kind of like a, a you know, orgy of visual sensation. I Ooh, mean, and I just noticed, too... Serial murder. Yeah, I was mentioning that. So I can't reveal the twist. I'm sorry, I stepped away yeah, for a minute. But he is but, not a serial killer. Um, and there's a twist as to why. So definitely does not interfere with my Leopard Man, Your Leopard Man. statement okay, about it okay. might be the first serial killer movie. There is a lot of fantastic elements going on in Dr. Caligari as well. And uh, it all comes together. It because you know what it combines? It combines like the weird German impressionism that's already creepy with great filmmaking, and a carnival atmosphere, which is already creepy, at the height of carnivals. And it all just, it works. All right, so five. Oh, yeah, five. Okay. This is one of the few silent films where I remember it perfectly from getting that. So. Yeah, and, you know. I remember the first time I watched this. I remember who I watched this with? John Sledge. John Sledge, yeah. yeah I, know, was, I know he was your silent film. Yeah, he, yeah. he was a big uh, friend of mine. He was really big in the film. We actually... We dicked around. We made a few movies and stuff together. We had this. He was going through a phase, and I happened to like some movies. We watched a lot of them, and this is, uh, yeah. Yeah, I probably you know calling myself a a movie fanatic, seen some of these things, but you know it just doesn't fit. It it, it just wasn't on my radar. Because no, everyone silent, has to, Yeah, because silent films. Not, not everyone can see everything. Yeah, it's like this. We're gonna get into lists where. I'm going to literally be sitting back just going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen a lot of weird sh- yeah, yeah. But, but Yeah, but, but we'll see. But, uh, all right. Like, uh, when we get to the video nasties, there's going to be yes. like seven I've seen and the rest of me going, yeah. interesting. So that is a list we want to make, the video nasties list. And that is, that's going to be more of my cup of tea. But, but at the same time, um, you know, not even I can, you know how many video nasties there are. Just go Google that one time. I mean, but I've seen a lot of them because that used to be my thing. And then a lot of Italian horror I've seen. Funny yeah, it's enough. not not Jellos. 
Italian horror. Horror, yeah. Which Big is a little different. different. Yeah, a lot of that kind of... I've seen a lot of obscure things, but some of these silent movies just stump me. I, and, you know, I actually had Caligari on my list to see, and I found where to watch it. But, you know, life... Life can just happen sometimes. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll get around to it. But this next one I know we've both seen. This is a classic gore film from George Romero. And it's got a lot of political undertones. It's got all lot, his movies do. Yeah, all of his movies do. And that is not, a, that is not an understatement. That is, that is true. Um, but ultimately, this movie is remembered by a lot of horror fans for the ultra gore that's in this film. Like, this is a very violent movie. Yeah, I mean, we already covered Day of the Dead, and I do hold the Day of the Dead is more violent. But yes, this yeah. is a... Yes, and, and he is right. Day of the Dead actually has... I don't know if it has the same um, longevity of violence. Like, this whole movie is violent. Day of the Dead has just extreme yes, scenes the scenes that happen are much mm-hmm. more intense. You know, there's only one thing... Oh, Dawn of the Dead, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. No, there's only one thing in Dawn of the Dead that bugs me. Mm-hmm. One single thing. Is why the fuck does Tom Savini's character put his arm in the blood pressure cuff at that moment? <laughs> I mean, he sees them coming for him. Is he like, I wonder how fucking scared I yeah, am? Yeah, he was like, man, I gotta see... He was more worried about his blood health at that moment in time. He's like, man, are these zombies going to push me into an early grave? I, I have to check. And I know this was a mistake in filming, but this has the coolest zombie kill of all time, where someone misses with the hammer... And hits him in the back of the head. You remember that? Yep. Oh, man. Yep. He oh. swings the hammer, misses, but arcs back <laughs> around and, and smashes him in the back of the head. Fucking love that scene. But this movie was crazy. For those of you who haven't seen it, it takes place after Night of the Living Dead. Things are kind of going downhill quick. Cities mm-hmm. are getting infested with zombies. Places are... I mean, it's like apocalypse time at this point. This is a very fast-paced yes. movie. Yes. Um, this band of survivors, some of them being reporters, cop, all these guys, they all end up converging on a shopping mall. Whether on foot or whether by helicopter, they all end up in a shopping mall that ends up getting overrun by a huge population of zombies that eventually break their way in. And uh, that's really, I mean, besides, obviously, the little news broadcasts they watch and Romero's typical political statements and things like that. That's really the gist of that story. Oh, it's very simple. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 what they People do, trying to survive yeah. in a mall. What they the do is they... And to show you, they, 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 they purposely get in the mall. It's not like they're trapped or anything. They, they take trucks mm-hmm. and they block the entrances, which goes bad for one of them. I'm not going to ruin it anyway. And then you get... What that gives a subplot that kind of gives you a little taste of the girl sequence from Night of the yep. Living Dead... Uh, you know, and I'm not going to ruin where that goes. And that's about the only similarity of Night of the Living Dead, is that little no, subplot. Yeah, it's it, a much different yeah, style film. And, it's, uh, and really, really what it is, is it's people thinking, I mean, and you got to admit that in... What's well, more, almost action movie. Yeah, it, well, in your mind, you can't, you almost can't blame them. Because you would think if you could fortify a giant mall where there's food, there's yeah, it's not weapons, there's clothing, there's, there's everything... Man, that would be perfect, right? Well, I always, when I was a kid, I always wanted them to make a computer strategy game called Terror Mall. <coughs> and you just 
controlled guys who were doing that. Yeah. I, I always wanted that. No one ever made it. You should have developed it. Someone should make it now, fuckers. Yeah, you should develop it. Well, I ain't got time for that shit. Yeah. Copyright. Doing this. But, yeah, that, you and know. If you do use Terramol, throw a thank you to Dose Rich. Dose Rich, yeah. <laughs> I'll know what you're talking about. But, you know, honestly, I understand in Romero's story how that could be kind of believable. I mean, you're thinking. I thought it was completely believable. Yeah. I mean, you think to yourself, okay, we're overrun by these flesh-eating zombies. We have a huge shopping mall. Because this was, like, this mall wasn't like your run-of-the-mill, like, your little city mall. I and mean, this is like a big, big mall. And they were thinking, okay, we could, you know, we could survive in here. Everything we need is in here. Clothing, like I said, you know, weaponry, food, this and that. But the movie takes a turn, and it turns out that uh, zombies, not to get too far in to spoil, but zombies run off of instincts. So you go into a place that always had people flocking to it, and now those people are mindless, instinctual zombies. Where's the first place they're going to go? Because that's where they lived their, their lives, basically. Which is where you get the subplots. Not subplot, subtext about consumerism. Yep, and yep. He has little, and, and he even they even watch some news broadcasts in there, and you, you get a lot. You get a big yeah. It's not so yeah. You get a big healthy dose of Romero political view, but that's fine. The movie itself was still really cool. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, we you know we started this podcast talking about you know how politics don't make a movie or deter from a movie. The movie's either good or it's not. Mm. This is one that is good. Yes, I actually really thought it was. It's classic. This is a five star one for me because I I loved this movie when I was younger. Um, I haven't seen it so many years. You know, the remake yeah, actually didn't do a too bad of a job either. No, this is a five star movie, and I think that the the, the remake I would give uh, four. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that though it was a nice little interesting change of pace. I think the baby stuff in the remake kind of detracts from the vibe, slows the movie down. Uh, I also think the weird attempt at a love story kind of thing, though giving some impact to some of the scenes at the end, also kind of... Because the first one's frenetic, mm-hmm. and the remake's a little slower because yeah. of these subplots. Yep. And, but I think the remake's fantastic, and I think the remake proves that both James Gunn and Zack Snyder are better with each other than by themselves. Because James Gunn is very good with dialogue, but not the best with visuals. And Zack Snyder's all visuals. And it sucks. Everything dialogue, else sucks. Yeah. When you come together, <laughs> just if you guys don't hate each other, make another movie. That being said, though, I do. There are some James Gunn movies, and there's but, some Zack Snyder movies. I like. Yeah, but but that's not you, you know. You can't film a sex scene though. You always put the cheesiest fucking music on the planet on top yeah. of that shit. Yeah, some Watchmen. Oh my god. I know. And I actually really actually I. I'm not going to go off about Watchmen, because I'd go off forever. But, you know what I did? His worst adaptation is Superman. How the fuck do you have Superman kill somebody? Stupid. Mm-hmm. Or Batman. Ba- Batman. I didn't even bother watching anything else. You know, Batman... I mean, I'm not even a even Superman though, even fan, though, and I know the Superman doesn't kill people. Even though villains happen to die sometimes around Batman, Batman's not directly like... I'm gonna kill you <laughs> with this machine gun. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was there was some off things in in, in his uh, adaptation. Okay. But Dawn of the Dead. Yes. Getting back to Dawn of the Dead. The remake. I just want to bring this up. The remake. Fuck. What the hell was his name? Bing Rains. There was a trivia thing, but I forgot it. So. We're gonna All right. Up. Never mind. Rich. Yeah. Dose Rich had a. I had a. I had a, an old mammal. A dose brain fart. Yep. So that's okay. So anyway, get. 
Moving on from this one, Dawn of the Dead. It's it's a great classic Romero movie. If you like any of Romero's movies, this is probably going to yeah. be one of your favorites. No, yeah, I think that we we said earlier and we both agreed that Day of the Dead was the best of this the trilogy, yeah. or actually quadrology. Once you got Land of the Dead going, or actually Pentology, you made five. But um, Dawn of the Dead is, I mean, it is like it's like a photo finish. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a photo finish. I think I like Day of the Dead better. Because the violence that is there is just so insane, and I, I like I, the soldiers just, a little better. I just feel Dawn of the Dead was just a better movie. The go- if you're strictly going after Gorehound, you know, if you're a, a Gorehound just looking for like the most extreme well, I, gore, I, I, I like Day the, of the Dead. I, I don't, yeah, but I like the soldiers in Day of the Dead. I like their personalities. They're over the top. Dawn of the Dead, though, there's a frenetic pace to it that might make it. The most enjoyable zombie it's just, movie. It's ever just made. the whole story. Yeah. I mean, I you might like the soldiers better, but I didn't like the whole locked in the underground bunker thing. I felt it was a lot more. Um, well, it's a return to night of the. Yeah, I, I like. I just like the whole feel of Dawn of the Dead better. But you know, that's just me. Everybody, it's one of those things because I also am a gorehound sometimes, and you definitely you can't out you can't outgun Day of the well, Dead. There's just elements I like about Day of the Dead. I like I like the soldier, uh, you know, uh, the doctor dynamic, like the doctor making the freak uh, with the gun. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Dawn Dead, Five Rich Movie. Oh yeah. We totally think it's on this list. I think it's about where it needs to be. I think so. If not, I mean, I I I I don't think it should be any higher just because there's not there is flaws with the movie that other movies have better acting, better whatever. But this is a fantastic. Film. All right, Crystal. Where are we on the list? How many down are we? Oh, I don't know. I'm doing my little side thing over here. Oh, oh I got the list here. We got... got uh, you're not rating? We got Dawn of the Day. I'm the numbers. Number 21, so I think uh, number 20 to raise for head would be number 10, right? Number 10? Is that where we're at? Let's see. Sorry, everyone. We're just kind of we're get, getting off on these movies and... Crystal's doing quarter combo stuff. Crystal's on her other podcast. She's usually <laughs> supposed to be mapping us out, and she's not. Uh, I failed. So, oh, let's see. So we hit. Well, I know that the net. Well, we did ten, but we skipped two. All right, so, so we've done eight. So let's move. We'll do. Uh, well, how are we on time here? Um, you could probably squeeze. One more in if it's tiny. Okay, so... How about you just solo Eraserhead? Yeah, we'll do one more. Uh, Have you seen Eraserhead? Mm -hmm. So I need you to chime in on this one, because this movie... So Eraserhead, you guys. Oh, my goodness. And by the way, because you you can bring up where you can see this. Surprisingly, (laughs) the easiest place to see Eraserhead, the Criterion Channel. It's free right now. (laughs) That, yeah, I actually bought... I bought it on Prime. Tell them why, babe. To show my wife... Uh, because she, she thought she's seen the freakiest things she could see, and uh, oh no, I proved her wrong. I'll say this about her. By the way, I did not watch it recently. I watched it a while mm-hmm. ago. I only brought it up because when I went to watch Hour of the Wolf, mm-hmm. it recommended Eraserhead. Yeah, Eraserhead is a David Lynch movie, and we've we've got another backburner David Lynch movie. You know that we're going to hit again, Inland Empire, which we didn't. I didn't get my hands on. I'm going to have to actually buy that one, which is okay. And we're convinced it's not going to be a horror movie. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be, to be honest. Eraserhead, I could categorize as horror. I'm sorry. This is a nightmare. Yeah, this is a horror movie. Yeah, Eraserhead is literally a nightmare on film. Uh, some of the imagery in this movie is that, it, number one, can be completely disorienting and makes no sense at all. Mm-hmm. 
And some of the imagery is just, like I keep saying, completely nightmarish. And uh, something you wouldn't want to dream while you're sleeping. And, you know, it's hard even how to go about this film. I mean, you're following the, the lead character and uh, the protagonist, if you will. And uh, he ends up having a baby that is like this little nightmare creature that never stops crying. <laughs> He's... <laughs> horrifying there's just there's so many things this is the entire film's in black and white yeah and it is in black and white which i think adds to the yeah feel uh this thing never stops crying i mean he's he sees a a woman in his radiator here who keeps doing like dance and show tunes he's trying to pursue this relationship with uh, with uh this woman I'm assuming's the whose mother. Family is whose whose mother is com- or whose family is completely insane. There's a there's a chicken scene, a, a, a tiny chicken dinner scene, which I won't get too involved with here. That is one of the most disturbing things I might, and I've seen a lot of jacked up stuff. And and I will say, out of the whole movie, that scene, not the chicken scene, but what leads up to it, like when the dad does that thing with his arm. There's something about that scene that really gets me because I don't like the way he like pulls away his arm. It's not like don't do that. It's more like no, I want to cut it. You yeah, know, kind yeah, of thing. Like it was like bizarre, no, I, I want to do and, it. And obviously, the beginning of the movie is like a is like a metaphor for conception. <laughs> you know, that's what I get from that. Now I could be totally wrong. Jake, you know, my friend Jake might tell me otherwise, but that's. And he might know. I don't. I don't know if he's. I can't remember if he's seen this one or not. I just know that that that's what that was going on there. Like you see the little like sperm like thing and going up to the egg kind of deal. And, and the way he shoot, shoots it, it's not like completely like that's a sperm and an egg. But you know that's what's going on. The baby's conceived. Well, that's the way he does. Yeah. It, you you follow around the main guy as he's walking through this living nightmare, having to deal with this baby. You could tell that he does not want the thing is crying constantly it's deformed it's hideous well it's and, like and, he, and it's just a psycho movie I still don't completely understand what the woman in the radiator heater was it, well that's the, uh, I, and he's I don't know it's like uh, what's the word I'm looking for he's so in your face with his metaphors that sometimes like I mean like a more popular movie I want to reference instead of this one, Blue Velvet. Uh-huh. You know, the whole movie is about seedy underground uh, of society. So what does he do for a metaphor? He opens up where you just keep zooming into the fucking dirt until you can literally hear insects about mm-hmm. to drive you insane. Uh, that's, I mean, he's in, that's how in your face Lynch is if you're not familiar with him. And this is the most in your face he's ever gonna be. So this, this, I, this, I don't. Uh, this was the most bizarre. It might be so simple as well. He room even, was too hot. Well, he even, <laughs> well he even said it himself. People were trying to figure out what the ending meant, what the whole movie meant, and of course, in total Lynch fashion, he's like, oh, "You need to figure that out." Well, I think that's you know? the thing that Lynch is pretty famous for, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is that his shit don't make sense. No, I've watched enough of his movies when he wants something to make sense. It makes sense, and mm-hmm. it's very clear. He's too talented not to make sense without trying to not make sense. So when he's not making sense, he's doing it. 
Well, yeah. and I believe that he was following. Well, but that's, you know, maybe once you figure out your yeah, own interpretation. Exactly. Well, and that's pretty much what he said, according to what I was reading. Anyway, I didn't see an actual interview with him, but some of the, some of the web pages I was reading saying that he's not. He says you need to figure. You know, he's not going to tell. You need to figure it out. I just know from my personal experience seeing this film that this is one of the most. And I've seen a lot of his stuff. Lost. This is the most. <laughs> Well, like you said, that this one is so bizarre and, and, and so weird. It's like it could be well, so many different things. It's because things. it's his first movie. And it's grotesque in, in its own so ways. That the movie, it's the whole feel of this film is grotesque. You, yeah. You don't feel, it's a dirty feeling movie. You don't feel right. You don't feel right when it nope. ends. You don't feel right with what happens to the baby and something does happen. I won't get into that. There's a lot of things... From beginning to end. From beginning to end. I've said it now, um, and I'll, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is literally a nightmare film. Oh, yeah. yeah. Almost all of his movies are uncomfortable or strange. I mean, I think, honestly, the only movie that isn't is The Straight Story, which is like he called it The Straight Story. That is a very peaceful road movie that... By the way, if you want to get a taste of how good Lynch can be when he doesn't try and fuck with your brain, that's a great film. Uh, but every other movie, yeah, he's well, always well. He, he, which he, has, has, well, he has nightmarish scenes. Yeah, in his movies, but this take, film take, itself. Take Mulholland Drive for example, which my buddy showed me. You know, that has a couple scenes that are very nightmarish. But the whole movie, the movie in a whole, even though it, as a whole, even though it's got a dreamy quality. Doesn't mean the whole movie oh, is yeah. nightmarish. Oh, yeah, but that's the thing. Yeah. You know, being his first movie, it's the thing but the kitchen sink is this. Yeah, this, this movie, the entire thing from start to finish, there there is no reprieve. There is no, like, lighthearted moments that it is... I mean, you might, when you're watching it, say, oh, that's a little quirky, you know, with the guy with his hair and everything. And there's a couple little goofballs. Kind of like yeah, kind of, there's a couple little goofball little scenes, but... Ultimately, By from way, that's from Seinfeld. Yeah. I how old Kramer is now. Ultimately, <laughs> from start to finish, this movie is a flat-out nightmare. I, so be prepared. So be prepared. I don't even know how to rate this movie. I I don't really like it that much. I I, I would give it four riches because it's there's a quality to the filmmaking, but I also think that the weirdness covers up a lot of its flaws. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I could I could agree with you on a four. I couldn't give this even if you hadn't said that. I I don't think I could give this a five because no. I couldn't watch. I probably won't be viewing this movie again for a very very long time. It's very disturbing. It's weird. Um, I know you got an earful after I watched yeah, it. I won't watch it. You again. know, I only it showed that show this movie for shock it's value <laughs> at this point. And even though it's maybe there's an underlying metaphor to the whole, and I know there is. You can you can catch it in certain parts. I'm not going to get too far into it without spoiling what ha- what happens with the baby and everything else. But there there is an underlying metaphor. But at the same time, the way he filmed this and just the uncomfortableness and the nightmarish quality, it's not a movie, and it's not done in a good nightmarish way like where you're like, man, that's a jacked up horror film. I love this movie. No, it's, it's very, so uncomfortable that you're like, I don't think I'm going to watch this again for a long time. And to me, that doesn't make a movie a five-star film. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the thing about this movie is that this movie, I don't know what 
where it would be this movie went viral. You know, like I mean, I I I, I was fortunate. I've always you know see this movie with um, an introduction from uh, uh, funny enough on um, the guy ga- ah fuck it TMC TMC and uh, this movie went viral um, as in it was not popular. It was a flop. But people just kept showing it at the mid, the midnight movie. They just kept showing it as the midnight movie, and it's got that you got to tell someone they got to go see it because it's so fucked up quality to the point that it got popular. Uh, yeah, so I mean, this movie only exists in its popularity because of how fucking disturbing. Yeah, it is, it is a weird. So film. yeah, I I, I I I mean, yeah, we are talking hundred years horror movies. So would you put it on the list? I probably still would, just just for how disturbing it is. And I know I've said nightmarish probably like nine hundred times. I said is. I've said that more times than I think I've ever said on a movie. But it, it really that's what I mean. It the is. basic plot of it is is a very dis- deranged, eccentric man taking care of an extremely deformed child in an incredibly fucked up world. Yeah, and and he's not, <laughs> and he's not ready for it. No, and he doesn't want the. You could tell the whole time that he's he's not ready, and just doesn't care to continue. And it's just it's a very weird take on that. There's other ways he could have done it, but it's Lynch. So what do you expect? So you've got a rating. You've got the fact that this probably just because of its quality, the, the, the what it is would have to be on a top 100. Um, would it be on my actual? Top favorite of all times? Probably not. I didn't enjoy it a lot. So I, w- I wouldn't put this on my top 100 favorites, but top 100 ever made, pro- you know, probably. So, um, yeah, so I think that's about it. I think we're over time, so we're going we're gonna to go ahead and, and uh, shove off for the evening. And then I hope you guys enjoyed. We'll start off next week with The Bride of Frankenstein, which... I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember it very well because it was one of those films when I was a young kid I was allowed to watch. Right. <laughs> so I've seen it about a hundred times. So and then we'll be moving into Videodrome and then one of my top favorites, The Thing. And, and so we got some good stuff uh, coming up next week. We're getting close. We're getting close. So I hope you all enjoyed The Riches. And, uh, yes, yes. Let and us know at moviewrichespodcast at gmail.com is the email if you want to let us know what you think of the list or which rich is your favorite which one you don't like no, <laughs> <laughs> there, there can only be one dun, dun, dun. i know after this podcast is over one of us is gonna have chop to chop off. the other one's head off yeah fights of the death yeah and then it consume their power yeah. well you got a broken foot so you have yeah a I, I have a disadvantage right now yeah but um you're not much of a runner right now. No. But, <laughs> all right, everyone. Uh, like I said, once again, we will be hitting some of these skipped movies after we're done with the rest of the list. We'll be coming back to them, and we'll have seen them, the ones we can get our hands on anyway. I really am not holding out hope for Devils or um, Trouble Every Day. I mean, I might... They're, they seem to be extremely hard to find, but I might get lucky and get those on auction. So uh, there's still a possibility, but you know there might be a couple here that we will have to replace. So, but um, all right, I think that's about it. That's it. We will Doesn't keep go. going. Yes, we will talk next to y'all week. or <laughs> have y'all tune in next week. 
Have a good evening. Bye. Bye.